Welcome to the Brave Bird Club podcast. My name is Sarah Oakley. And my name is Lucy Burgess. This show is all about courage, hope, pants and pants. So pull up your Brave Bird pants and let's get talking. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Brave Bird Club podcast. Oh, they've lost it. They lost it. <laughs> we haven't even started yet. I can see your little faces <laughs> laughing along. Yes, we have Nicole with us today. Um, Hi. Hello. Hello. Nicole is Brave Bird through and through. In her professional life, she's a leadership trainer. And she runs a leadership program within the defense industry. In her personal work, she empowers women who don't fit the corporate mold to step into leadership roles using vulnerability, authenticity, and compassion. And in her personal life, she's had to find her bravery many times, um, notably as a member of a military family and as a disabled mum. So welcome. And we can't wait to get to know you more, Nicole. How are you today? Well, I'm fine, but you've really over-egged me with that introduction, haven't you? Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Well, it's all downhill from here, is it? Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can guarantee everyone who's listening, it is not, because we've spoken to Nicole before and she is bloody amazing. I know insights are going to come out of our interview today. So, yeah, how are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We um we got a puppy a couple of weeks ago, and um. We've we've held off. My husband and I have been married for quite a long time. We've been married oh God, 12 years or so now, I think. Just have to figure that out. Yeah, 12, 12 years. And um, I've been trying to get him to let me buy a puppy for about 12 years. And uh, <laughs> he finally gave in the other day. So, um, But he was up at 3.30 this morning. So I'm slightly like little sticks in my eyes trying to keep me awake. But when they're up at 3.30, that's when you say, it's all right, sweet pea. You just get into bed with us and have a little snuggle. That always goes down really well. <laughs> how, how are we with swearing on this podcast? Absolutely fine. <laughs> okay, well, he's, yeah, he good. had the shits, so um, no to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, no. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Plus, he keeps he's getting into the cat's litter tray, so the breath is is just not the one. <laughs> Oh, bless. Oh, bless. But you got your way. You got your dog. Yay. I did. He's he's beautiful um, and full of beans and at the moment fast asleep. So long may that continue because if he starts bouncing around, you'll know about it. Oh, yeah. don't worry. We welcome all sorts of calamities on this podcast, don't we? <laughs> I heard that about Lucy. <laughs> I listened back to the interview last week actually I listened back to it twice I really really enjoyed it with Lucy N but one of the first things she said she said I can tell you I can tell you what was it I can tell you straight that's a liability you've got there Sarah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it was so funny but she is lovely I don't mean I do mean to I could say I don't but I do anyway let's crack on (laughs) No, I think it's hilarious. I think it's brilliant. Um, what would I? What, what else would I want around me? Someone who's you are like, a bit like French and Saunders. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, you would have made Lucy's day for that. <laughs> I don't know. I think balance you, each other off. It's quite so good. happy. Yeah, that they are. They are heroes of ours. We need to get them knickers. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh. You know, there are certain people when people mention their names and the thought of them wearing our knickers is like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would rather, you know, if, if someone said to me, would you like Kim Kardashian wearing your knickers? And I think, mm, not really. And then you think French and Saunders and I'm instantly kind of, Helen Mirren. A couple Helen of Mirren. votes came in for Helen Mirren because I put a post up like, who would you like to see in the knickers? And a couple of votes came in for her. But we've got, we're doing a monthly mm. um, legendary Brave Bird now. So we've got our one for next month, who's a secret at the moment. I feel so sad that Victoria Wood isn't around because oh. she'd have been super wearing those knickers. You know, she was my hero. Oh, she was amazing, wasn't she? Oh, she really that, was. Where that song where she's singing about Beat You on the Bottom with the Woman's Weekly yeah. is possibly. Yeah. yeah. Genius. One of my favourite songs of all time. It's genius. genius. It's clever. It's funny. It's beautiful. It's insightful. It's normal. Oh, God, I love her. I've got goosebumps. People have a massive imprint on you and it's like they don't know what they've left behind. And I hope she knows how loved she was. There was a a lady called Viv um, Goscrup. Goscrup. Goscrup, I think I've pronounced that right. Um, and she's written a couple of books. Um, I think one's called How to Own a Room and the other one is calling is called Lift As You Climb. And um, she talks about people being um, high, uh, something high status. Um, and essentially what it means is that you, yes, you've reached the pinnacle of, of whatever you are in your career, but you're you're comfortable with that. You're not um, looking down your nose at anyone. You are just comfortable in your skin. Um, And somebody that she uses as an example of that is she says that um, George Clooney apparently once was at a cocktail um, reception. And so he was dressed up in his, in his, you know, cocktail gear and he had his, his dinner jacket on and his his bow tie. And somebody came over Tell us more. <laughs> Somebody came over with a cocktail glass and handed him the cocktail glass and said to him, fill that up for me, would you? Um, mistaking him for a waiter. <gasps> this is the story. So somebody who is not high status would have got really offended and been like, do you know who I am? And all that kind of stuff. And George Clooney took the cocktail glass, went and got the chap a cocktail and then came back and handed it to them and said, there you go. Because he was so comfortable in in who he is and that's how, kind of how I feel about Victoria Wood and and Julie Walters that they have that you know I I, I, I know who I am I don't have anything to prove no. yes grace that's a great word feel for great it. humility yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, they're, they're great great words to use so yeah I'd definitely put Victoria Wood and Julie Walters actually yeah she's my best friend yeah. we just made her a video actually is she is she though <laughs> of course she is I wasn't allowed to we have her address. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. We drive. The other Judy, Judy Budge, she was like, "Oh, can I send her the knickers? I'll need her address before I even finish." No, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> she proper popped up the barriers, didn't she? It's like she actually oh started to panic when we said that. Yeah, her, her whole demeanour changed. <laughs> oh love her <laughs> yeah she is a special lady mm. yeah. yeah yeah it's a great thing that she's a patron for yeah mm. yeah absolutely okay let's talk bravery why not <laughs> hit me, hit, me. <laughs> hit you with the bravery question 
hit me with your bravery stick. <laughs> hit me, hit me, hit me with your bravery stick. <laughs> so what is your bravery stick? <laughs> what does bravery mean to you? We'd love to hear. And, yeah. you know, can you tell us about a time in your life where you've been forced to be brave? Sure. So um, I, I spent quite a long time thinking about this because I wasn't sure how to answer. And I, and I, and I wanted to link it in some way with, with leadership and the qualities of leadership because, you know, for me, bravery and, and leadership very much go hand in hand. Um, and one of the things that I think about when I think about leadership is um, that, it, that leadership is very often not about you as a leader. It is about who you're bringing up behind you and, and how you're doing that. Um, and how you're sort of bringing people in to be their very best selves. So I was thinking about bravery and what it means to me. And I come from a military family. So as we talked about, so I am the first person in my family, um, particularly on my mum's side, who's not been in the military since something like the 1700s. We can trace like commissions back years and years and years. And it's really easy to think about all of those men who will have served at some time. They were predominantly men. However, it was my mum who was in the military, though my dad was as well. But if we're going to go through my mum's line, it was my mum. My mum joined the Air Force when she was 20. Um, So, you know, I was I was thinking about all those things. And and actually, it's really easy to think about the men as being very brave. and, And, you know, they stood up and they. They fought wars and they, you know, they, they went through terrible conditions and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not to negate what they did. Um, but then when you think about the women who supported them, um, and in particular, when I think about my mum, so she had a career in the Air Force. She met my dad. They fell in love. Um, they got married within 10 months of meeting each other and they have like the best romance story in the world. And um, they fight all the time, like cat and dog, but you know, they are perfect for each other. Um, and my dad spent a lot of time building his career and being away. And, you know, a couple of times he, he went to Iraq and he was out in the Gulf and, and actually, the person who was probably the bravest in that situation was my mum, because where my dad got to leave everything and, and go off and, and do what he was doing, my mum got to shoulder the fear, the worry, taking care of the kids. And t- she had to do all of that with that grace so that we didn't know just how worried she was. And she didn't, we didn't know, and my dad didn't know just how worried she was. And then that led me on to thinking about my mum's mum. So my granny met my my gramps, my my mum's dad, and he was already a, a serving, you know, serving in the army. Um, and she she'd grown up in in one place her whole life. Um, she'd survived the Blitz in in one of the worst areas of London, and and she would talk to you about you know walking to school and seeing a pair of shoes and thinking oh they're amazing shoes and then realizing that they were attached to a pair of legs that weren't attached to anyone else and she was she was six six or seven uh you know she was a baby um and she you know she'd always lived in this one area and she met my gramps and um 
and she packed up everything. She she moved, you know, across the country, and this is in the 1950s and the nine, late 19, uh, sorry, early 1950s um, through to the late 1950s when people didn't really travel in the way that they do now. Um, you know, she moved out to Germany. They got on a boat and went to Hong Kong. She left everything. And then my gramps left her to go off and, and go and fight. And, and throughout all of that, she, she kept everything together. She kept the house together. So I think for me, when I think about bravery, I think about those small acts those acts of grace where you perhaps hide your fear in order to save somebody else the worry, in order to allow somebody else to go off and fulfill their dream or to fulfill something that they need to do. Bravery is about very similar to leadership where you are taking somebody else's burden making yourself vulnerable in order to allow somebody else to go off and do something that they feel is important. Um, you can't have bravery without, without fear and you can't have bravery without worry. Um, so for me, when I think about bravery, it's really easy to think about the big acts, the, the, the scary acts, but actually for me, probably the bravest thing is, is those small things that you do every day that 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 fill you with fear but you just crack on and do it anyway because what other choice do you have um and again we've talked about Lillianne and and my daughter is where I'm big and bold and and you know very few things scare me when it comes to being out and around lots of people my daughter doesn't have that to her she's she's naturally you know when she's in a group and she knows them she's she's loud and full of beans but She's naturally very shy and she's very cautious. She likes to understand a situation before she walks into it. And she's quite often worried about walking into large groups of people. And yet every day she does it anyway. And that, how brave is that to know every day that you're going to wake up and you're going to face something that is going to make you feel incredibly uncomfortable, but to say, well, I know I've got to do it anyway for me is is true bravery yeah I agree I mean we, we do talk about this don't we Sarah we talk about how how it is the sort of the drip feed of bravery which can actually be the bits that go don't go recognized um and I I hear what you're saying about the people I mean my my son's the same um he has mild autism he is dyspraxic he is dyslexic he hates crowds he hates noise he hates all of that yeah every day he gets on the bus, gets himself to school, gets himself home again. And when he comes home, he's visibly tired. You know, you can see, regardless what sort of day he's had, he's like, I have spent the whole day working my ass off just to get through the day. And that's not thinking about um, that's not thinking about his work that he's had to do. He's thinking about just being there. Um, and yeah, it is bloody brave. It's really yeah, it brave. And also, when you were saying about mums, with these people being left behind, I'm I'm not saying, I'm going to use the D word. We often say with death. It's the people that, you know, your own death is a death that you don't have to worry about. It's the one, it's the people you're leaving behind. And essentially, when someone goes off to do something, 
life-threatening, that's essentially what you're doing, isn't it? You, you, you are, you're doing all the mourning, the worrying, the, all of that, but without the actual death. And it's hard. It's hard living on that knife edge of kind of, will it be, will it won't? I don't know. I don't know. But I've still got to pay the bills. I've still got to wipe my child's ass. I've still got to do all of this while worrying about something like that. You're absolutely spot on with that. Interestingly, I remember my mum saying to me, because when, when my dad went out to the first Gulf War, I was probably maybe 10 or 11. Um, and so at the time, it didn't really it didn't really register with me, obviously, how worried my mum was and all that kind of stuff, because she did a great job of hiding it um, from us so that we then didn't worry. Um, and I remember her talking to me about it when I was when I was older and, and sort of capable of understanding. And she said, I, I, I was fine. I didn't cry when he left. You know, I didn't cry throughout him being away for that six month tour. I, I was fine absolutely fine she said, and then two nights before he was due to go home one of the light bulbs blew in one of the rooms and um and she said that she had to get up onto a chair or something to change the light bulb and my mum had quite a bad back when I was growing up um she, she, there'd been some major damage done to it and they just hadn't realized and um and she said she got up on the chair and she just could not unscrew the light bulb there's a joke in there. Yeah. Um, and she said she burst into tears. Yeah. And she just couldn't get a grip on it. And she said because it was so close to him coming home that she was able to almost breathe. You have that sort of, it's that sort of breath, isn't it? And um, and I think that is probably the same. I, I, like I sometimes reflect on, on again, Lillianne when she comes home, sometimes her behavior when she comes home is, you know, same as most kids not always great um and one of my friends who is a teacher said to me but that's because you're her safe she's had to be brave and big and bold and loud all day and she's got home to you and you are her safety because and she gets to behave badly with you she gets to shout and scream and you know be rude and all that kind of stuff because whilst you're going to tell her off you'll never abandon her you'll never not love her and 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 that really has always meant something to me because I think how you know that you you become somebody's sanctuary because regardless of how brave you are or whatever those whatever you might say about those things we all need that that safety that safe space so Um, who would be your sanctuary because as adults we need sanctuaries yeah as adults we need that don't we as children, we, we facilitate, don't we? And we say, right, you need this so you can go and do that. But as adults, we're not quite so like that, are they? Are we? Because we're, we're still sucking it up for the sake of the kids or for the, you know, the people around you. So where would you go? Who would you seek out for that support? I think it would depend on what I needed. Um, and I know that sounds quite calculating. Mm-hmm. but um, No, it doesn't. No, not at all. I... I think that different people in your life, particularly as an adult, serve different purposes. So I am very close with my parents. I, I see them quite regularly. They have a fantastic relationship with my daughter and they, they do lots with her. And they probably, it was my mum that first noticed that I had sort of that postnatal anxiety and, and, you know, 
sat down with me in a car because she knows me well enough to know that if she'd have sort of faced off to me we'd have I'd have just brushed it away Mm. but in a car where you're sort of next to each other and you you're not looking at each other you have that element of safety where you get to just have a conversation where somebody's close yeah but not too close it's advised Um, yeah I was going to say it's advised as kind of if you need to speak to your child, either sat in a car or walking is a much better way to open up a conversation than sat face to face over the dinner table or on a sofa. So, So, yeah, when it comes to to a lot of stuff like that is probably my mum would be would be a big sanctuary to me, but I will never go to her unless I want a solution to my problem. She's very practically minded. Like if I said to her, I'd have to say to her at the start of the conversation, I, I need to have a bitch. I don't need an opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't need a, I just need to vent. And then once I finish venting, I go, well, what do you think? She's like, well, you, you just told me that you didn't want an opinion. I, well, now I want one. I know. <laughs> that, that's what you need, isn't um, it? You need someone that yeah. can just sit there and go, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, and kind of mold to it. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> My husband is very practical my and my husband is is um and my dad as well the two of them if I need somebody to be fair minded and reasonable and kind and to give me a point of view that I've not necessarily thought about because I can be loud and brash and all those kind of things if I need somebody to sort of maybe pour a little bit of water on my fire um then probably my husband or my dad because they have this my husband is the tranquilist he's just like a lake he's so calming and smooth and kids dogs and animals love him because he's just the most chilled out um and then I have this wonderful friend called Jen who I have known since I was 18 months old and if I need somebody who is just going to let me go rah and then say to me, do we, do we hate this person or do we just need an opinion? And I'm like, we hate them. She's like, they are assholes. I'm like, yes. Um, But seriously, am I in the wrong here? She's like, no. (laughs) I think we know Um, when we're in the wrong, don't we? Sometimes you just need someone to say. You just need somebody to say you, you, you've got this girl. And and she's my, she you know I've known her for years and and if I do need a case of honesty where she's like you were in the wrong there mate um she'll she'll do it but for the most part she'll be like who who do we need to bury today and do you need an alibi I'm like yes I do thank you very much um so yeah they are my sort of between them they're my sanctuary what about you guys who are you who's your I, I would always imagine you're probably it to each other. Yeah, at that. And as I was hearing you say that, I was thinking, I bet there are people listening to this who actually don't feel like they have anybody. Because I think when things can be quite tough, it can be quite a struggle to actually, to invite those relationships into your life. You have to be quite vulnerable, right? You have to say where you're at. And that's quite difficult for a lot of us. And I can think of, say, relationships I might have curbed in my life and not had that support network because I am not able to say where I am to that person and miss 
that opportunity. So I just wanted to reassure anyone if they're listening, like it's not, if you haven't got these people, that's okay. But to get there, you have to give a bit of yourself. Then you soon find if they're the right person or not, right? Because if you give a bit and you don't get what you need, then like you said, calculated, we defended you against that because you were saying we didn't want calculated to be seen in a bad way, but actually in a practical, supportive, what do I need for me so I can be the best possible version to myself, to the people around you? Yes, systematic. I need to talk to people. I need to find my support. So I love that you asked that question. I really do. Well, also, Sarah and I have very recently come to the conclusion because we we do spend a lot of although she's millions of miles away and I'm here, um, we do spend a lot of time together. And we have had to, quite brutally, had to sit, say, right, this subject can't be broached. It's too hard. We can't do that. Yeah. So we're going to skip that, come back to it when it's changed, come back to it later, and we're going to focus on this, this, and this. And that is calculated, but that's how we function, and that's how we are going to continue to function it has to be. And I, I will yeah, say things to my friend, I mean, uh, Catherine, um, who I've known since school as well, who I love, that, you know, I can't say to anybody else and vice versa. It, you're right. No, calculated is, is not a bad word. We need to take, we need to take that off. Well, I mean, uh, everyone serves a different purpose in your life. If, if everyone was there and everyone served the same purpose, to be frank, that it would be a bit pointless having multiple people in your life who all did the same thing. Um, similarly, I know that I don't serve the same purpose to to everyone. So I, I have a very good friend who I tend to hear from, and it's and it's and I understand how it's meant, but I tend to hear from when she needs to work through a problem because I'm um, quite good at. Um, I'm, I'm quite good at tunnel vision. So when somebody says to me, I've got a problem and there's this going on, that going on and that going on, I'm like, what? but none of that stuff matters because until you've dealt with this, you're worrying about all this other shit and it doesn't mean anything because you've not actually dealt with the main issue. Um, and for her, I, I, you know, that's, and it doesn't mean that we don't have a relationship outside of that. You know, our kids are really good friends and we get on very well. But those deep conversations tend to come from a place where she is saying to me, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment and I need to work through an issue. And I think one of the things that really resonated for me when you said, you know, there will be people who feel that they don't have that. Um, Simon Sinek um, uh, did an interview with Stephen Bartlett recently. And he talked about vulnerability. And one of the things that he said was that by being vulnerable with others, actually, you're, you're trusting them. You are actually offering them, you know, you might feel that you're taking from them. But actually, what you're doing is you're giving them something. You're giving them a purpose. You're giving them a role within your life. Um and, and he said something that I thought was really lovely. And he said, when somebody pays you a compliment and you bat that away, what you were telling them is that their thought doesn't have value. Oh, yeah. And for me, those were really interesting reflections. And, and I think, you know, when we talk about vulnerability, we very much think about it as it's my vulnerability. But actually, you're giving somebody a gift 
Yeah, as you say, giving someone a compliment is a form of vulnerability because you're like, they could see me as a kisser. So they could think I mean, that I'm, the wrong thing, reason why I'm saying it. So it is, it is a form of vulnerability to do that. It absolutely yeah. is, but it's also a form of sticking your head up someone's ass, isn't it? Well, and, and it, uh, so for me, that depends on what your intention is. It's it's the 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 giver of the compliment, isn't it? it it's knowing why and where that compliment is yeah. coming from. It's like, are you saying that because dot 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 dot? Or yeah. So I mean, there are a few times when people have said, uh, given me a compliment, and I've I have battered it back at them because they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. They were wrong. They were, and, but it, again, they were just doing it, it to blow smoke up my yeah. ass, and I don't want it. And that's that's about the intention, mm. isn't it? It's about the intent that's behind it. Yeah. Um, and and you know, for me, that's that is. I would say that that's quite a sad reflection on that other person because it clearly means that there's something. If you are having to fill a role in somebody else's life by being insincere then for me actually what that says is that there's something very much missing within their life because that insincerity is is masking something else and that is masking absolutely prolific at the moment on social media isn't it yeah yeah absolutely the amount of of empty remarks and and personal comments that come from a place of total emptiness well so interestingly that I would say that that cancel culture sits in a little bit with that as well so what you know that that conversation where you you know you said we're very very good friends but there are some conversations that are just off the table um and I have this very good friend he's he's a soldier um and we have the polar opposites when it comes to political opinions like if you put essentially if you were going to put us in a boxing ring we would be on other sides and and he is very politically expressive now I choose not to be because that is how I am the most comfortable he is very politically expressive when he does talk about his politics I'm happy to openly disagree I genuinely believe that when it comes to having conversations where you are in in very different places it's important to hear what the other person has to say because you can't form an opinion it in an echo chamber that that's essentially just you 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 know, spouting off what everyone else is spouting off. You have to be able to hear another side in order to form an opinion. Once you have heard that other side, if your opinion remains the same and you know that neither of you are going to give, then carrying on that conversation is the definition of insanity. And it will break your friendship because neither of you are going to move. Your decisions are made. Neither of you are going to move. So at that point in time, it's worth taking that conversation off the table and saying, actually, we're friends. We're very good friends. You mean a a lot to me. But in order for that friendship to be continued, I need to take this conversation off the table. 
And and that in and of itself is quite a brave conversation to have because you're risking the fact that that person's going to say to you, well, if I can't talk about this thing that that is important to me, then we can't be friends. And that is about you having enough sort of, you know, confidence in you in who you are in your friendship to be able to say right okay I respect you I care for you we we need to take this conversation off the table um so I mean it's really you know bravery is in is 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 right there into every part of every element of of our lives it's it's every time that we have a difficult conversation that we don't want to have it's every time that we you know face something that we don't want to face it's 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 rooted in every part of who we are as a human being um it doesn't have to be massive acts and and in doing so by taking these small little acts every day you then have a knock-on effect on the people that are around you whether that be your children or or you know the people that you work with every time you do that small little act where somebody goes oh that was that was a brave thing to do you then empower somebody else to come behind you and and do the same thing so it never underestimate how a small act can empower somebody else who comes behind you yeah. you know what i'm gonna do today you know What's what that? I find genuinely terrifying, and I'm not joking. I hate opening post. I hate opening. Yeah, hate it. Yeah, it's always. I think a lot of people feel that, yeah. especially at the moment. Yeah. A lot. It's of always horrible. Like, yeah, it's really it's always right terrifying. It's always black and white, and I can't read it because I'm very dyslexic, and I see the uh, veins in the page rather than the. Mm-hmm. so it takes me five times longer to read it and once I've read it I've forgotten what it was in the first place and then I put it to one side and think I'll do that later because I can't do that now and then it gets lost and then I get a red bill through so today I'm going to go through uh three letters go on Good Lucy that's brilliant do you know that you can there's a program that you can get because obviously I have a disability as well and I'm very active as part of the disability network that I have at work Um, there's an app that you can use where you can take a picture on your phone and then it will read to you what the letter says I've seen that yes I have seen that and I thought that's a good idea Um, and then there's like you know there's loads of computer programs like Read and Write Gold and all that kind of stuff that that will will help with things like that. If somebody's listening and thinks oh, I go through that, there's an app now where you can take a picture and it will read it to you to take away some of the um, stress that that can cause. That sounds really good. I keep thinking in my head of that analogy which you said earlier, Nicole, about the boxes <clears throat> and how two people from different teams are kind of fighting each other. And, you know, in terms of boxers, they're at the pinnacle of their game, right? So the pinnacle of their argument or their the best possible shape they could be to be giving to that boxing match. And then there's a referee to check that it doesn't go too far or anything and it's stopped. And then at the end, they always hug. And I just think that's so powerful because these people are literally fighting each other yeah, but, but then they, they go come together at the, the end. buses in the car park. Who did that? McGregor guy. Did he? Yeah. I think they do have a hug, and I think that's a very good but sorry, Sarah, they do. Yeah. They do. They have arguments in the changing rooms afterwards. 
but but the respect the respect yeah, is there the sportsmanship and if it's the and sportsmanship if, and if you're a complete you know if you do it, you're not going to make it in in your game if you're too reactive it's not going to work because to be out there where everyone's watching you have to have an element of control don't you and respect for the other person yeah and I think there's that that's one of the things when you know given that we've been talking about the military and all that kind of stuff is one of the one of the things that I've always found very difficult when when people talk about maybe some of the negative elements of of the military is that most of the men that I have worked with and women but but for the most part men they are just working class lads often who come from some pretty shitty places in the country and what the army or the air force or the navy have given them often is is a career a purpose training support great friendships and and that is 90 to 99 percent of of what the military offers them it offers them all these positive things and then there's obviously this this very difficult part where they have to be very brave and they go into very difficult environments and they do things that for the most part none of us would even dream about let alone do and we ask them to be aggressive we ask them to to do the things that most of us don't want to do but need but still needs doing and then they often come home and within a 12 hour within 12 hours they can perhaps have gone from undergoing something that was quite significant and dangerous and and awful to holding their baby daughter in their arms and we we don't yeah and we expect them to deal with it and then we often see see people as as they go through their life sort of deal with the challenges that that can throw up and the bravery that they're required to have in order to deal with those challenges and you know sometimes when I speak to them one of the things that you hear from them is it's the scary bit is not being out there whilst it's unpleasant you know and we wouldn't wish it on people the scary thing is how do you bring the person that was out there back here and have them fit in here when the the two things are so different um and i'm I, i'm not sure i have an answer i'm not sure that it, there is one no but I it's important i think it's to recognize that we all have different sides to us that we employ in different ways and again it goes back to having those friendships that that do different things for different purposes and recognizing that that we are capable of being you know we're transient beings we're we're capable of being more than one thing to one person i've been um i've been listening to a lot of miriam morgaloid oloise i can never say her last name can't say it anyway i fucking love her and, um, you know, she said the most beautiful thing. I'd said it to Sarah and she said, um, allowing yourself to be vulnerable allows other people to love you. And without that, they can't. And it is absolutely. How can somebody love somebody without that? Without that genuine offering, like you were saying, the offering of genuine, you know, and I think that's. 
we've got to allow people to be genuine, haven't we? We've got to allow people to recover and to kind of allow their personalities to fluctuate. Like these soldiers, their personalities are going to fluctuate. They're going to go up, they're going to go down, they're going to come home, they're going to feel everything. And it's, it's allowing them to feel it and it's allowing us to recognise it. Mm. I love it. And I think if, if I can just take it into leadership for a second. So one of the things, I'm quite open talking about my disability. So we've talked about it before in brief. When Lillianne was about six weeks old, I woke up one morning and I just couldn't move. Um, you know, cut to a, a, a rush trip to A&E and, uh, you know, lots of steroids and tests later. And I was diagnosed with a disability. And over the last year, I've been diagnosed with two more and spent quite a significant amount of time in hospital um, as a result. And, it, and, you know, all of that really shit. I'm not, not going to you know sugarcoat it it's been really challenging there have been days where you know I haven't been able to get up to go to the loo my husband has had to help me I was using a walking stick before I was 40 shit but the positive to that from a leadership perspective is that I have people in work who because I talk about those vulnerabilities are feel that they are able to be incredibly vulnerable with me and you know I've had very senior leaders who who are in in positions where you know there's a lot of political jousting and all that kind of stuff going on who perhaps don't feel they can talk to their colleagues and yet they'll they'll tell me that they've just been diagnosed with cancer or you know, they're having difficulties in their marriage. And they're not telling me because they want me to fix it. And they're not telling me because they think I can do anything about it in terms of their workload. But they're telling me because they recognize that there'll be no judgment, that they're safe. And and from a leadership perspective, it's really easy to think that we should go down this leadership route of, you know, balls to the wall. It's all about the numbers. Let's get the job done. But actually, the way that you get a job done is by nurturing your people. And the way that you nurture your people is by making them feel safe. And the way that you make them feel safe is by allowing them to see that they can be. And some of that requires you to be vulnerable, to be compassionate, to say, I'm having a shit day today too. I had to get up at 3.30 with my puppy who had the shits and I have not had a brilliant morning. How's your morning been? And what it allows the other person to do is to say, actually, I've had a crap morning. My husband was a complete asshole. And um, yeah, and you both go, oh, that was crap, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, let's get on with the day. But it, it means that you're not going into the day going, oh my God, everything's terrible. Because you've shared, you've gone, and then you've moved on. Um, so I think that vulnerability Again, it comes from a place of bravery because without it, you know, you're sharing a piece of your soul, a piece of yourself. Um, but it, it, we should never underestimate that, I don't think. No, I think for women and probably more so men, there's such a fear of looking weak. <laughs> and like we're ashamed that we might be exposed or look weak or look stupid or people won't like us and it's it's rooted really deep and it's very hard to break through yeah 
Um, it is. Because we spent a lifetime of people applauding us for being the opposite. Not everyone, is, but within but, cultures, you know, it's, no, it's it, especially it for men, especially for men. It is. And that's why men have such high, you know, I'm going to use triggering words, but that's why men have such high suicide rates is because, I mean, one of the positive things I think that social media has done, and I do know that it, it gets a bad rap in lots of ways, but, you know, by when people are genuinely vulnerable so thinking about the lad that came out um the footballer who's just come out and said you know he was gay you know there's an element I know in in some some parts of the country where where they'll go well so what you know I don't care who you love and and that is an amazing the fact that we're there as a society where most people will go well I I really don't give a shit who you love and, and who you choose to love you do you but actually, when you think about the fact that the last footballer who came out as gay was, what, over 20 years ago and then subsequently killed himself, that courage and the bravery it must have taken for that lad, who I think was 17 or 18, is he, to come out and say, you know what, I like boys and I like men and, and that's okay. Uh, you know, how incredible is that? And and a lot of what we're seeing, I think, with younger, you know, younger generation is that they are um, coming from a place where they feel able to be more vulnerable, where it is safer for them to do that. And and for me, that is a real positive. And, and I think a lot of that probably has come from social media and that we're able to see a larger variety of people being much more open Um you know, with each other, um, you know, not to say that there aren't negatives to that, but, you know, if you're, if you were a young lad who loves football, who's gay right now, and you've just seen, you know, a, 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 another young lad who is gay come out. And instead of, you know, most people being very negative about it, what you've actually seen is most of society will go, okay, yeah. cool. I agree. Let's move on, shall we? Let's see how you do on the field at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's an incredibly positive. And if you think that was only 20 years ago, that, that you know, 20 or 30 years ago, that um, it was John Fashion's brother, Jay, is it Jason, who came out and, and what that did for him and his career, you know, that's that's an incredible, an incredible distance to have traveled actually in quite a short period of time we've still got a long way to go but you know let's let's you know celebrate where celebration is due absolutely but it's funny what you said about it has its positives and negatives because I've also seen like I love the way the younger generation are more evolved should we say and more open and more vulnerable however I've heard a backlash to it recently. It's normally sort of people our age and above who are calling them the snowflake generation who can't yeah. cope with it. They can't the do wokes. these feelings, the wokes. Mm. They, they can't, can't, it doesn't come into their vernacular. It's really, really interesting and debating how actually maybe it's not that good that they're more like that. So, yeah. But I think that goes back to the boxing analogy. So that, that has happened throughout all of history. And that is, you know, the older generation 
you know, like, well, I had to go through it. So why shouldn't somebody else go through it? And then the younger generation are like, you don't know our struggle. Uh, You know, we all, every generation has had that, that kickback against progress. And, and where the positive stuff happens is where the, the snowflake generation meet the ice generation and they stand in their boxing ring and they battle it out between them. And then at the end, they say, okay, well, I've taken some positives from this conversation and then I've taken some stuff that I'm really not going to employ and I'm not going to do, but I respect your opinion. The, the, the negative would be if off the back of that, one or the other one of them gets cancelled. And the second you stop educating people, then you stop progress from happening. And the second you stop progress from happening, that's when we start to stagnate. And that's where we start to see some of the terrible things that, you know, we see happening in the Ukraine, for example, where all of that is coming about out of ignorance and stagnation and and shutting down of progress. Um, So for me, that's where social media at the moment is facing its biggest challenge. It's, it's not in terms of somebody expressing an opinion that somebody is a snowflake or that somebody is a bigot. That opinion should be expressed. The issue comes from when somebody says, I don't agree with you and therefore you shouldn't be allowed to say what you think. Yeah. Because the second that happens, that is when progress stops, in, in my opinion. Not sure what that's got to do with bravery, but you know, <laughs> it does. Mm. I just loved having you on. It's been good. Fun. Oh, thanks. That's See, that lady. was me. That was me accepting your vulnerability and saying thank you very much for the compliment. I appreciate it. And now I want one back. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lovely looking dog. <laughs> good enough for me. <laughs> Take it. Well, actually, I'm going to say, if we're doing compliments, I'm going to say that it's incredibly brave to admit that you are scared to open mail, because I think a large majority of people will feel the same way, but but wouldn't have had the the vulnerable, the ability to be that vulnerable in public. So I think by sharing that vulnerability, you have probably allowed other people to perhaps go and open their three letters today as well. So I think that's a positive thing. Thank you. You're welcome. I was hoping just to add one more question um, to you, if you don't mind, Nicole, that's just sort of sitting in my head. It's that in terms of your, I'm asking this in the hopes that, yeah, it's helpful for me and helpful for other people. In terms of your life with a disability, how have you found your way in terms of vulnerability with that and how do you express it to help yeah, with your relationships and your life and your support. So I'm going to caveat everything that I'm about to say with the fact that before I became disabled, I spent the best part of 10 to 15 years working in a sector where I supported people with disabilities. So I supported both mental health disabilities and physical health disabilities. So I had a lot of knowledge going into having a disability that the majority of people don't have. And for me, that was incredibly helpful. So 
I suppose a couple of things would be to say when it comes to having a disability, knowledge is power. So the more information that you have about your disability, the better. The more you are able to communicate about that disability and the impact that it has on you, the better. Because saying to somebody, I've got rheumatoid arthritis, the automatic thing that everyone says to me is, oh, aren't you young? Like I, I, I am, but my disability has absolutely no impact on my age. It is to do with my immune system, thinking that my bones and my joints are a bad part of my body and attacking them as a consequence. So the more information you have, the more you're able to explain it and the more you're able to explain it, the more you are able to ask for help because people understand what it is that you're, you're going through. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing for me is I have an incredibly supportive family who have gone above and beyond on multiple occasions. You know, when Dominic had to be in hospital with me because I, you know, my breathing was incredibly bad and <clears throat> I was really struggling and I, and I was in a feeling very, very vulnerable myself. My parents looked after my daughter and I knew she was safe with them and it was something I didn't have to worry about. But some of that, I would say, is being able to ask for help. And being able to say, today is a crap day for me. I am really struggling. I need you to help me. And then being very specific about what it is that you need. Because much like with everything else, everyone will have, and again, it goes back to that conversation that you were having, the last the last lady that you were talking to, where you were talking about dignity. Yeah, Lucy, about what yeah. does dignity yeah. mean? Nobody knows when you say, I need help. Somebody else's version of what they think you need help with is very different than what actually you might be asking for. So you need to be very specific about what you what you need, um, because without that, you're going to end up frustrated because, you know, I've asked for help and you're not doing what I've needed you to do. But have you actually told them what you need? Um, having doing all of that with a young child has been incredibly tough. Um, but it is about building a network and you know I've I've had incredible people that I've worked with. I've had not incredible people that I've worked with who've you know to be frank made life much harder but what that means is that then when you do discover somebody <clears throat> then you nurture that so that you're then able to inform yourself and, and educate yourself and then the next person that you meet who who is supportive and, and helpful you nurture that relationship so I would say when it comes to managing my disability it's been as much about <clears throat> nurturing relationships and and being able to be compassionate with myself and you know having those days where okay it is really difficult today and it is okay for me to sit and cry into the covers today but knowing that the next day, that's enough now. Stop. Because it's very easy to go down that hole. And once you go down that hole, it's incredibly difficult to get back out of it. So being able to say, right, okay, today I can have a bad day, but the bad day stops tomorrow. And then, and then if it's still not stopping, then I need to know which of those 
marvelous connections I have that I phone up and say, I'm in a whirlpool. With Lillianne, we talk about, um, I'm in the pit. I'm in the pit. I need you to throw me a ladder. And this is what I need the ladder to look like. And then to know that that person's going to chuck it to you. So I don't know if that answered your question. It did. But hopefully it it, really did. Good. Good. But yeah, nurture those relationships and and make sure that that you're very clear about what, what you need. Because without that, nobody else can help you. Because if you don't, if you if you can't express that, you're going to really struggle. Um, there are, of course, going to be times where you genuinely don't know what it is that you need. But the more you do work around self-awareness, and I'd say that's the other thing, do the work. Do that work around self-awareness, all this sort of growth mindset stuff. You, it feels a bit ick, and saying it sounds like, um, but the bottom line is it's just about knowing yourself it's doing that sort of internal work where you go okay today I'm having a crap day is it because I'm worried about something is it because actually I'm due on my period is it because actually I watched something last night and and it's made me feel a bit off and and this actually isn't anything to do internally with me it's just to do with something outside that's come in and I need to stop watching that program because it makes me feel like shit. I need to stop having this conversation with Sarah because when I do have this conversation with Sarah, it makes me feel crap and we need to deal with it at a different time. The more you can know yourself, the better you can then communicate with other people about what your needs are. And then in turn, you are teaching them through your own actions. Um, and again, and I think that goes right back to the bravery thing, doesn't it, of, you know, the, the more you show up as brave, the the better you communicate to others how they are safe and therefore they start to show that bravery as well. So that's all we're trying to do, isn't it? Just get through the day, most of us. <laughs> be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> get through the day as unscathed as possible. <laughs> Regardless of the diarrhoea. Well, you know, that is all that stuff, isn't it? The bottom line is... We're all going to die. We just want to live the best life that we can on the way. Mm. Let me tell you, Mm. can I leave with a fantastic quote? Oh, yes, please. Ready? Peace isn't the destination. Peace is the companion that you find in the journey. Mm. And the reason I love that is because we live in chaos. You're never not going to live in chaos because you can't control other people. All you can control is your response to that chaos. So the, the peace that you need to find is in the journey. It's, it's not the destination. And I loved that. It was such a great quote. I, I don't know if I made it up or if I found it and then reused it in some way, but I'm, I'm claiming it as my own. Yeah, do it. And, and, and that, for me, is is ultimate bravery, walking through the chaos in the peace. Yeah, that's our soundbite for today. <laughs> and but, but you are welcome. Brilliant, thank you, Nicole. But also Check is in the post. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that with this conversation, and I wish that 
um, you know, you guys who are listening have had that too, where there's been no end to what we wanted from this conversation. There was no place we had to go or thing you had to say or person any of us had to be. It was just enjoying the chat of it and the the journey of it. This podcast was for me, I found that piece all the way through and I've absolutely loved it. And thanks for yeah, bringing what you have today, Nicole. It's been immense and just so there's helpful. Nothing, there's nothing better than a woman seeing another woman and saying, I see you and I've got you. You're safe here with me. And the other thing that keeps striking me is when you were saying about your mum and the advice she gives and like you have taken the best of whatever she's given you in terms of you deploying advice. I am I am sure she would entirely take credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> Go, Nicole's mum. What's her name? Shout out. My beautiful mum is called Christine Gunn and she is all the, all all the wonderful things and she has given me all the wonderful things and in turn she is allowed to give my daughter all those wonderful things and I will be forever forever grateful oh. and I'm sure she will sit here and go for god's sake I'm gonna vomit yeah. but she is all our mums would join your mum in a vomit party oh I'm my sure mum hates this talking. yeah yeah I hate it my mum and my dad they are absolutely can't bear it it's painful well can you imagine my dad is in the military I remember my dad because I'm also terminally late I'm always late I'm quite I'm quite emotionally open and I'm always late and I remember telling my dad that I was going to do social anthropology at university in Brighton at at the University (laughs) of Sussex And, and my dad is from Brighton and um and talking to him about you know and I was going to do it in the school of African and Asian studies and he and he looked at me and he went is there nothing of me in you at all (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be a bloody tree hugger (laughs) because he was I mean he's an engineer in the air force he was just like I mean I, I basically don't understand any of the words that you've just said and yet my dad is the fairest kindest most equal-minded man I've ever met but this kind of conversation would make you deeply uncomfortable I always think of Lucy your dad going to the sound bath in Stroud going to the gong bath I mean it just he just ended up there it just makes me die I mean it's brilliant it makes me uncomfortable I I can't bear it I can't bear it because you're just down the road from me Lucy where are you in Gloucester. Yeah, I'm in Gloucester. Why are you there? Yeah. Not here. I mean, well, so I was gutted when you were talking about going on your retreat and doing your, and I was like, oh, amazing. I could go. And then I looked at the dates and I'm in Cos. Oh, so next time. We'll do it again. Gutted. We'll do it again. So we've got the fourth. Next time you're in Stroud. Yes. Uh, let me know. Uh, I, well, uh, if you want to talk to my publicist and um, I've got a PO box. Not that weird. <laughs> I really like your hair. I want to stroke it. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, stop the conversation. Stop the conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. To show us some support and help us reach more people, please leave us a review. And why not recommend us to a friend? And remember, the conversation does not end here. We're excited to get to know you. 
and for you to mix and find inspiration within our brave bird community. Find us below by clicking on the links to our socials. Thanks again for listening, guys. And don't forget, wherever you go, always wear your brave bird knickers. <laughs>